It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Freighterd and the Medical College of Wisconsin, working hard to bring you what's possible for your health. The Freighterd and MCW Health Network is transforming the way health is delivered to make it easier for you to connect with the best of academic medicine when and where you need it. Today's episode is also brought to you by Brewtown Trading Co. Brewtown Trading is the number one destination in Wisconsin for buying, selling, and trading sports cards and memorabilia, and they're giving away Packers tickets. To find out how you could be entered, check them out on social media and stop into their store for more information. Just tell them I sent you. Brewtown, home of the hobbies, biggest hits. We're doing Expert Tuesday a little bit differently today. Mike K from NJ.com, he covers... The Eagles, uh, he is going to join the show. He is the co-host of the No Huddle Show. And one of the reasons why is it's a short week. And as a result, uh, we, we don't have as much time to spend on the opponent as we normally would. So this is something, you know, Matt LaFleur after the game said, we have to be on to Philadelphia. He said, you know, you got to wipe the slate clean and, and move on. He said he was already on to Philadelphia, so we have to be on to Philadelphia along with him, which means focusing on the Eagles. For us today, that means starting with injuries, and that is a huge part of the story this week with where Philadelphia is. Did not have Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson in their Week 3 loss to the Detroit Lions, and that was a major reason why they lost the game. They have struggled on offense They've struggled with consistency, with continuity. Dallas Goddard has not been the guy that they needed him to be. Nelson Aguilar has been inconsistent. And then you don't have Alshon Jeffrey. You don't have Deshaun Jackson. That makes it a lot easier to do things like bracket, Zach Ertz. It makes it easier to load up to stop the run, to stop Miles Sanders, to stop Jordan Howard, and to go pressure Carson Wentz. Jason Peters has not been 100% this season. And then you look defensively, the big news from Monday was we found out that Ronald Darby, who had been their number one corner, is having a soft tissue injury and 
is going to be out. Hamstring injury is going to keep him out of Thursday's game and, and potentially a number of weeks based on what we know at this point. So he is not going to play. That leaves just three healthy cornerbacks currently on the Eagles roster. Three. That is not what you want when you're trying to play a game against Aaron Rodgers, even on a week when he's coming off, you know, a a subpar performance. I mean, right now, the only healthy corners they have are Sidney Jones, Avante Maddox, and Russell Douglas. Now, as you will hear Mike tell you in a little bit, Darby has not played like a number one corner to this point in the season. And, you know, that it, it is what it is for Philadelphia. But when you only have three healthy corners, it's a lot harder to rotate those guys. It's a lot harder to keep them fresh. It's a lot harder to play matchups. And if you want to go dime, you're basically SOL. And so when you add into that, that Fletcher Cox doesn't have a sack. Brandon Graham doesn't have a sack. Derek Barnett doesn't have a sack. This team only has two sacks all season, has not been able to get consistent pressure, has not been able to turn teams over, and has not played as well defensively as we thought they could, has not played as well offensively as we thought they could. This has not been the Philadelphia Eagles we thought we were going to see coming into the year, a team many thought was the best team or at least the most complete team roster-wise in the NFL. They have a quarterback. They have a left tackle, they have a pass rusher, and they have a receiver. Now, what they didn't have was a stud corner. Ronald Darby was a good enough CB1 coming into the year, at least we thought. But the rest of that secondary was a problem last year. There's a reason Chandon Sullivan, who's on the back end of the Packers roster, had to start games for the Philadelphia Eagles last year. Their secondary was decimated by injuries. And here we go again. Standing here in week four, and the Eagles don't have enough healthy cornerbacks to play dime personnel. I mean, that's that's real. And they're probably going to bring someone up from the practice squad. They're, they're probably working guys out as we speak. But to get them up to speed by Thursday, that's a tall order. And now you have to play Aaron Rodgers for all of his his inconsistencies the last few years. This this offense not quite on track the way you'd like them to be, and yet you have faith in Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and even though Geronimo Allison has not been great this season, and, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and if there's ever a week for Jimmy Graham to get going, as Matt LaFleur said they wanted to do on Monday night, there is an opportunity on Thursday, and as I pointed out on Twitter, the run-the-table stretch in 2016, which, which came after a long run of inconsistent and, frankly, poor offensive play started with the Philadelphia Eagles. And that was Devontae Adams' breakout game. And that was the game that that sent them on their way to the NFC Championship game. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen this time, but what I'm saying is Green Bay has a history here of playing well, especially Aaron Rodgers, of playing well against Philadelphia. We all remember 2014 when they beat the daylights out of a really good Eagles team at home. And then there was the 2016 game. You you can even go back to 2010, you know, the regular season game, the playoff game, whatever you want to do. But Aaron Rodgers against the Eagles, he has he has more than held his own in this series. 
And against Jim Schwartz, you know, Matthew Stafford, when they blitzed last week, Matthew Stafford had his way. They got after that Philadelphia blitz. And, and you know, teams have had some success blitz, blitzing Aaron Rodgers, I think in part because at his age, with his injury history, he doesn't want to get hit. But, you know, you, you look at this defense, how are they going to create pressure consistently given the way the Packers' offensive tackles are playing? Elton Jenkins played really well last week. Is Fletcher Cox, who hasn't done anything to this point, going to be able to push the pocket and create problems for the Packers' offense? I mean, we're a long way from that, it seems. And you go back and you look at what the Eagles have done against number one receivers. In 2008, Amari Cooper, 10 catches, 217, three touchdowns. Michael Thomas, 12 catches, 171 for a score. And in the playoffs, four catches, 91 and a touchdown. Julio Jones, 10 catches, 169. Corey Davis against Matt LaFleur, nine catches, 161 and a touchdown. Anthony Robinson. Allen Robinson, 10 catches, 143, and a touchdown. Adam Thielen, 7 catches, 116, and 1. Stephon Diggs, 10 catches, 91. Nuke Hopkins, 9 catches, 104. Mike Evans, 10 catches, 83, and a touchdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones lit them up week two. Terry McLaurin got after them in week one. Marvin Jones got after them in week three. I mean, it, it is bad. It is bad for Philadelphia. And now they're without one of their top cornerbacks this is an ugly situation for Philadelphia. And, you know, it is weird to say that a game against Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Malcolm Jenkins and all the and Jim Schwartz and all the quality pieces on this Philadelphia defense is a get-right game for the Green Bay Packers. But 27 points in Week 1, 24 points in Week 2, 27 points in Week 3. This Philadelphia defense has yet to allow fewer than 24 points in a game and that's against some offenses that have not been good Philadelphia has looked awful outside of the Eagles game the the Lions offense hasn't been particularly consistent outside of that Eagles game in Washington offense it has been garbage trash I mean Chicago did not save for work things to them on Monday night and yet the Eagles could not stop them that does not bode well for them trying to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. All right, before we get to Mike, let's talk about my bookie. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, kick your feet up, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them, something we'd probably like to see a little bit more of in Green Bay. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the game even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. Don't forget where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. Join now, and mybookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer at mybookie.ag. That, that's right. Go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and they will double Double free money, your first deposit bonus because at my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. You're worried about the Packers injury report. I get it. But what happens when you wind up on the injury report? The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network is transforming the way healthcare is delivered to make it easier for you to connect with the best of academic medicine when and where you need it. But what exactly is academic medicine anyway? First, it's rare. 
There are only 120 academic medical centers in the country. The Freighter and MCW network is one of only two in the state and the only one in eastern Wisconsin. Academic medicine makes possible leading-edge primary and specialty care, research to find innovative cures for complex diseases, and the education of the next generation of healthcare professionals. It's like having a two-time MVP quarterback under center. You know you're in good hands, and you might just see things you never thought possible. Freighter and MCW physicians have been part of many scientific discoveries of new ways to prevent and treat diseases. Still wondering what academic medicine offers you? Visit www.freighter.com academic. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network. This is what is possible. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store all right let's bring in mike k he is one of the eagles beat reporters at nj.com he is the co-host of the No Huddle Show. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K with an E, K-A-Y-E. Mike, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Hey, thanks for having me. So a short week is probably the best thing for the Philadelphia Eagles coming off a really disappointing loss on Sunday at home to the Detroit Lions. As we sit here three weeks into the season, just give me your assessment of where the Eagles are as a team. Well, it'd be easy to just say that they're a mess, but, you know, this is a team that lacks discipline. It's a team that, you know, for having one of the older rosters in the league, seems to malfunction in a lot of pretty elementary ways, you know, from drop passes to costly penalties to communication errors to just overall, you know, alarming, puzzling mistakes. It's just... It's been kind of, I called it a, ho- a cocktail of errors, and that's what the first three games of the season have been. Certainly not a comedy to any Philadelphia fans watching uh, of errors, but uh, maybe if you're a Packers fan, it does feel that way. I think one thing that really stands out is you look at the game on Sunday, and, and this was something that uh, I was just I was just seeing. Uh, I forget where I was reading it, but the, the Eagles had no sacks against the Lions. Yeah, and the pressures weren't very consistent either. They've only had two they've only produced two sacks in the first 3 games. One of them was on a safety blitz from Andrews and Dejo, who hasn't played very well otherwise. And the other one was from defensive tackle Timmy Jernigan who missed this past game with a foot injury and he's due to be out for quite some time as well. So this was this was a team that looked like you know, and a lot of people, smart people, I think, and and I, I don't know that I believed it, but I thought it was close that, that Philadelphia coming into the season had 
if not the most complete roster, one of the two or three most complete rosters in the NFL? Has it become the case that the attrition has just gotten to them and that depth has worn down a little bit? I mean, you, you lose your top two receivers. Obviously, you're not as good a team as you would be if you had them. But how much of this is the injuries and how much of it is guys who they expect to be studs just not producing at that level? So it sounds like a cop-out answer, but it's a mixture of both. So they brought in Malik Jackson, who they thought could fill the void as a three technique, uh, a pass rusher from the inside with Michael Bennett and Chris Long no longer on the roster. Chris Long retired. They traded Michael Bennett, who wanted a new contract to the Patriots. So they lost out on that pass rush. Then you have Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett, two guys that they really thought were going to have massive years, have been really kind of slow out, out of the gate. Derek Barnett coming off a shoulder injury. He was kind of slow to recover from shoulder surgery, even though it was a pretty uh, you know basic labrum tear from what I understand. So he's a guy that's kind of, you know, taking some time to kind of get going. Vinny Curry, who they brought back to be kind of a rotational pass rusher, uh, has really struggled to kind of find his niche in the, in the defensive front as a rotational player. Remember, they trade away Michael Bennett, Chris Long retired. So they're without two of their best pass rushers from last year, and the rest of the group kind of hasn't picked up the slack. They really like Hassan Ridgeway, who they acquired from the Colts, but – He's not really known as a primary pass rusher. Uh, Timmy Jernigan, who has one of their two sacks on the season, like we said, uh, he's out with a foot injury. On offense, you know, Jason Peters is a guy who could be injured any second he came out of the game against the Lions with an illness. Um, And then you look at wide receiver, like you said, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, two guys who are dealing with some notable short-term injuries you know, you're going to have to rely on your depth. And before this season, I was one of those, I guess you could say, smart people that said that this was one of the deepest teams <laughs> in the league. The problem is players like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who was a second-round pick, and running back Miles Sanders, who was also a second-round pick, have made a lot of rookie mistakes early on. Mm-hmm. On paper, if you project these guys to be very heavy role players, you feel good about this roster and you feel good about the depth. But in reality, what you're seeing is these young guys may not have been ready for the spotlight so soon and might need reduced roles. Uh, I also think when you look at guys like Jordan Howard and guys like Nigel Bradham, players that are proven um, who aren't necessarily playing up to their potential, it, it's become this this situation where they have a lot of promise, but they haven't been able to put together a whole game yet. Yeah, and and something that broke late on Monday afternoon was th- this issue with Ronald Darby uh, underwent mm-hmm. an MRI. Looks like he's going to certainly miss Thursday. Uh, the timetable for him not exactly clear at the moment, but this is another key injury. Uh, the best player at that position, I-, I think, at least in my estimation, at a position where they're already short guys. When you say he he's their best corner, probably in your mind, yeah, he has been the last two years. Uh, this year, he struggled coming back from an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. He has started as their number one corner opposite a rotation of Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas so far this season. But Rasul and Sidney have both outplayed him. Mm. So that said, it gives them opportunities to kind of develop and play a little bit more with Avante Maddox in the slot. The problem is... They've been using a rotation because they only have had four healthy cornerbacks available. So it was Maddox, Darby, Douglas, and Jones. And Jones was serving as the backup nickel corner. So now with 
Jones on the outside starting. They don't have a backup nickel corner. They really don't have a backup corner in general. So what the team may need to do is bring in um, Craig James, who's on the practice squad. He was with the Vikings last year as a special teams player. He's played one defensive snap his entire career. Kind of similarly how they brought up a Packers cornerback, Chandon Sullivan, last year to kind of play some spot duty. That didn't really work out very well for them last year. This is going to be a big test for them as they face an offense, obviously, fronted by Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. While they're not putting up a ton of points, Rodgers is known for, you know, tearing apart the Eagles' defense. Yeah, and, and, you know, as you mentioned, Green Bay's offense has not been rolling yet. If, you know, you lose Darby, if they're not going to be able to rush the passer, it might be one of those get-right games on a short week at home for Aaron Rodgers, and that's certainly not what you want if you're an Eagles fan. Yeah, and, and you know, as you mentioned, Green Bay's offense has not been rolling yet. If, you know, you lose Darby, if they're not going to be able to rush the passer, it might be one of those get-right games on a short week at home for Aaron Rodgers, and that's certainly not what you want if you're an Eagles fan. All right, we're going to get back to Mike in just a second. But before we do, let's talk about Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now for 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code Locked On. Listen up, Packer fans. Here is your opportunity to win free tickets to the Bears-Packers game week 15. This game could be for the division, and Brewtown Trading Co. wants to send you and a buddy for free. Brewtown is your number one destination in Wisconsin for buying, selling, and trading sports cards and memorabilia. Here is how to enter. You can go to Brewtown's store on 76th and Cold Spring, just off 894 in Greenfield, to receive five entries to win when you mention Locked on Packers. While you're there, check out the shop. They're always stocked with the hottest releases of wax from Tops, Panini, and upper deck. Plus, they're always interested in your unwanted sports cards and memorabilia. They're always having events. So follow their social accounts for the latest schedule. Use the Locked on Packers hashtag on the Brewtown Facebook page or on Twitter for another free entry to win tickets. Not local? Check out their live breaks on Facebook or have them ship product directly to your house. Again, Brewtown Trading Co. located just off 894 at 76th and Cold Spring in Greenfield. And on Facebook and Twitter, Brewtown, home of the hobby's biggest hits. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network. And I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big time bonus. And all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats. You can pick from main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. On the other side of the ball for Philadelphia, you know, I, I think a lot was made in the offseason, and I think rightfully so, about how deadly 
the Zach Ertz Dallas Goddard combination could be. The assumption was Goddard, you know, would take another step forward in his development. And, you know, the ugly drop on Sunday, uh, he has not been what they expected him to be, at, at least this season so far. So if they can't get production from, you know, anyone outside of Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, where do they look to? Because Zach Ertz seems like the only guy right now who can be relied on consistently to to do what they need him to do. Well, that's the major problem. You know, you, you'd think that they'd be able to go to a second round pick and, and maybe get some production out of him. But, you know, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's played the majority of the last two games and only caught two passes for 14 yards. On top of that, you look at a guy like Matt Collins who struggles with running routes. He can get open, but he's also got two offensive pass interference penalties from this past game. Then you've got Nelson Aguilar, a former first-round pick, who's played well in the slot when surrounded by other talent, but when he has to be the guy, he has faltered relatively easily. He's got three touchdowns in the last three games, but he also has several major drops. He also fumbled away a possession this past game. So it's tough to find guys to rely on. Miles Sanders uh, played well as a receiver last week or this past game, but he also had two fumbles uh, on the same drive during the second quarter against the Lions. Jordan Howard's a guy who's kind of developing as a receiver after spending most of his career as a ground and pound guy. And, you know, there's just not a lot of outlets for Carson Wentz. Dallas Goddard is dealing with a calf injury, which is part of the reason why he didn't look so great in the, in the game against the Lions. He had to miss the entire game against the Falcons in week two. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's like we said earlier in the podcast, it's attrition plus guys not living up to their hype. And I think the Eagles are, are in a spot where they're going to have trouble manufacturing an offense, an offensive rhythm, especially against a team that's only allowing 11.7 points per game. Yeah, and and one of the reasons why Green Bay's defense has been so good certainly is the quarterbacks that they faced. Mitch Trubisky in Week 1, Kirk Cousins in Week 2, and Joe Flacco in Week 3. Carson Wentz, by far the best of that group, but after that breakout MVP campaign two seasons ago, we haven't really seen that version of Carson Wentz, at least on any kind of consistent basis since then. So where is Carson Wentz right now in your estimation? Well, you know, it's it's weird because when you look at the numbers, you think to yourself, well, Carson hasn't played all that great the last two games, but realistically, he's led the Eagles back into scoring position late in the game where the Eagles had a chance to win the game and his teammates have dropped passes. I mean, you know, there's only so much this guy can do. Sure, has he had his down moments? Of course. But Carson Wentz is playing at a high level. He's definitely playing at a higher level than he did in 2018. His mobility is back. His vision is pretty good. I mean, his arm strength is top notch. It's just a matter of the parts around him and how many mistakes is he going to make and how, you know, deep of a hole is he going to dig himself when his teammates can't help him with the shovel. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we stand here right now, early in the week, it's hard to judge uh, because we don't really know what the status is going to be for some of these guys on the injury report. But uh, this is this is my favorite part of having these conversations every week, and I love asking this question. If you were a coach in the Green Bay Packers coaching room and you're putting together a game plan for how you attack Philadelphia, whether it's on offense or defense, where are the matchups that that you're looking to attack if you're Green Bay? Well, I think the Lions did a really good job of bracketing in coverage uh, Zach Ertz. 
If you take away Zach Ertz, the options are going to be very, very limited for Carson Wentz. And, you know, this is a team that gets one-dimensional relatively quickly. They have a running back committee that is extremely inconsistent. While Jordan Howard has flashed and Miles Sanders has had his moments as a receiver, they're not a very consistent running team. Uh, Miles Sanders struggles to kind of, you know, be patient and find the holes. And then Jordan Howard isn't used, you know, consistently enough to get into a rhythm. So if you can take away Zach Ertz and you can take away the run game, this this is going to be a very tough battle for Carson Wentz. On the opposite side, you know, the, the Eagles struggle to get pressure. If you have an extra lineman in there or maybe an extra tight end, you know, Nathaniel Hackett and, and Matt LaFleur can dial up some, you know, 12 and 13 personnel and the Eagles will really struggle to get to the quarterback. Yeah, and then on the other side, I mean, if you're if you're looking to build a roadmap for how Philadelphia can come into Green Bay on Thursday and and spring, well, you know, an upset. Las Vegas thinks it's an upset, uh, but you know, two teams that I think are are pretty close. What does that roadmap look like? Well, I think the Eagles need to start off fast. You know, they scored their first two possessions on offense this past game, and unfortunately, most of that momentum was negated by a. Uh, 100-yard kickoff return um, to start the game for the Lions. They need to start quickly. They need to run the ball well. Uh, If you've followed them throughout this season, when they've run the ball consistently, they've had some momentum moving forward offensively. The problem for that is it's been late in games. They're a team that has struggled over the last year and a half to start fast. And against a team that's only allowing roughly 12 points a game, you need to put points on the board at every pass because the Packers are opportunistic. They'll create turnovers. They'll shut you down. And if Carson Wentz can get into a rhythm early on in that game and the defense can kind of mitigate mistakes, I, I think the Eagles have an opportunity in this game. It's, it's kind of a weird matchup because the Eagles really don't have time to dwell. And I think that that's really good for them because the last two games have been brutal losses. They've lost by a combined seven points. This is a team that is very talented. I just think they need to get out of their own head and get out of their own way. And if they can start off fast and build some momentum and come out angry, I, I feel like on offense they'll be in good shape. And then on defense, it's simple. Get to Aaron Rodgers. Hit Aaron Rodgers. Everyone knows if you hit Aaron Rodgers consistently, you can slow down that passing attack because that's really the key. The running game, the, the Eagles have done well against the run throughout the season, and they have done well against the run pretty much since Jim Schwartz took over as defensive coordinator. So the key for them will be to hit Aaron Rodgers. If they can get hands on Aaron Rodgers consistently, this game will be close. Yeah, what's interesting is Green Bay won a close game in Week 1, won a close game in Week 2, and and the Eagles are a couple bounces here or there away from, from coming into Green Bay 3-0, and and instead they're 1-2, and so... Like I said, I don't think these teams are are that far apart in terms of quality, certainly not far apart in terms of talent when they're healthy, but that's not the case for especially the Eagles in this matchup. Mike, where can my listeners find more of the work that you do? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K with an E at the end. Uh, it's the worst Twitter handle in all of social media. <laughs> Uh, but I got a, I was a writer, and I don't want to get rid of my blue check mark. And then you can find me on NJ.com in the Eagle in the sports section, you know, slash Eagles. Um, we've got a lot of preview stuff. We're going to focus very heavily on the Eagles issues, so maybe your listeners will get a lot of fun out of reading their struggles and mishaps. 
Well, or at least learn something. Hopefully that that's always the goal. Mike, I appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Before we get out of here, I do want to mention that uh, Jimmy Graham did not practice yesterday. Now there was no actual practice, but he was listed as a non-participant. And that's something to watch here the next couple days. Uh, was close to not playing, had to struggle with an injury last week. Looks like a new injury this week, so maybe multiple injuries now as we look toward Thursday. A veteran player who has not played well. Is this an opportunity for the Packers to sit him and see what they have in Big Bob Tanyan, to see what they have in Evan Bayless and and the lengths to which they can use someone like Mercedes Lewis? Look, I've been on record saying I think the Packers offense works better without Jimmy Graham. And if this is an injury, maybe it's something that ends him on injured reserve sooner rather than later. Jay Sternberger can't come back until midseason. So I guess you want to see Jimmy Graham on the field, but it seems like the offense would benefit from not having to account for him every snap. We'll see. Matt LaFleur on Monday night said that he wants to find more ways to get Jimmy Graham involved, wants to find more ways to get Devontae Adams involved. And the latter is certainly an admirable goal. I don't know about the former. But look, the tight ends were a big part of the offense in week one. They have been less a part of the offense the last few weeks, and that was something that we saw last year. The Packers did a good job at times of getting Jimmy Graham matchups that he could exploit, and and he did. And then there were times when they didn't find ways to get him the ball, and he sort of disappeared. And in the opportunities he did get, he didn't take advantage of them. So, you know, Green Bay is paying him. I think there is a worthy discussion to have about the wisdom of trading him. Uh, It's going to mean eating a significant amount of money for the Packers, but for a new team, I mean, we're talking about three and a half less, in fact, three and a half million dollars somewhere. That's like three point four million dollars that a team has to take plus, you know, the remainder of of the per game roster bonus stuff. I mean, there is, you know, some some semantics that need to be argued out there, but it's one of those things where Green Bay could find a trade partner if someone were so inclined to bet on the name recognition. Jimmy Graham has not been a great player for a couple years now, but you know, there are some, there are some, I don't know, let's say less than wise GMs out there and some teams that don't even have a GM really Houston. I'm looking at you. So, you know, maybe you can find someone who is willing to give you something, anything for Jimmy Graham. And, and there is potentially a value in just saying it's better to not have him and not have to worry about scheming up things for him over the course of your season. We'll see. We'll be back tomorrow. And uh, I think what we're going to do is is do a question and answer show, a shortened show on Thursday, something like 15 minutes, 17 minutes. And that'll be on Thursday. Uh, the recap show will be on Friday. And maybe what we'll do is Friday afternoon, I will do a Periscope only. I think this is the plan now. So we will have a show Thursday that will be a Q&A show. Send your questions to me on Twitter. Send them the, the, at the podcast at Locked on Packers. Me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski or, or the Locked on Packers fan hotline. And that will be our Thursday show. Just short and, and hopefully stuff that can be a little bit more evergreen. You can listen on Friday without having to worry about what happened on Thursday. Of course, we'll have a recap show Friday. But then Periscope will just be an opportunity to talk a little bit more about the game, to answer your questions more directly. So check that out on Friday afternoon on Periscope. We're going to do that as often as we can, and, and I don't want to shortchange you this week. I know that a lot of you were, were watching on Friday, and 
uh, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed doing it, a different kind of experience for me. So we're going to keep doing it. It was a blast. So you can you can hit me up on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Find me on, on Periscope as well, uh, at Locked on Packers. You can follow on Twitter, uh, subscribe on Facebook, subscribe on all the podcast apps you possibly can. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.